Croissant Hall to Fearless in Devotion. It's uh, less than a week until Christmas, uh, and a treat for Wrexham fans has been uh, frozen pitch for the last week or so, which has led to many cancellations. What have we all done? Has anyone done anything with their weekends? Um, I'm working. Oh, there you go. Well, it ruined my trip. I booked annual leave to come up to watch the Chesterfield match, so that was very sad. You were going to watch it in style, weren't you, as well? I was, I was indeed. But yeah, hopefully, there's no date. There's no date for that yet, is there? No, there isn't. Well, hopefully, I can come back up in January, um, and it won't be too long. Um, but yes, of course, our uh, game was postponed. Uh, I guess Chesterfield midweek, and then the trophy game. For this weekend, which will now be rearranged for midweek, as we know, that'll be played on Wednesday, the game against uh, Scunthorpe. In that time, Notts County uh, beat... Who did they beat? Gateshead. Thank you, Gateshead. And they've gone four points clear. Uh, How worried are we about that? Are we worried, Tim? No, no. I mean, it was was always going to be a a long shot because Gateshead are having an awful season. Um, look odds on so it's to go straight back down so it wasn't it wasn't a great surprise what took what took me more by surprise was how long it took him to break down to be honest and I thought it would have been a few more so yeah it's one of those yeah of course you'd much rather the points on the board than be four behind but whichever way we look at it we're still going to play him at home uh, and our home form is imperious as we all know so I'm not unduly worried and I'm We've got we've got a new player in the bag. We've got other players to come back. I'm sure he'll, he'll strengthen further as and when he needs to in January, Parky. Um, so not 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 massively concerned at all. And it was just I couldn't stop laughing. You mentioned about the frozen pitches and stuff. How many brain aneurysms or, or sort of meltdowns Wrexham fans have had about not having to fill a gap between three o'clock and quarter to five on a Saturday? It happens. Look, check the fixture calendar. There was a lot of fixtures higher up off. Um, and that's just the way it is. It's a cold part of the world. Yeah, a little bit of an overreaction, hasn't there? I think some people losing their minds over the fact that we uh, haven't got uh, the owners haven't paid for some five million pound system to immediately unfreeze the pitch when it freezes up. Um, but no, we're not too worried here at Fearless and Devotion uh, Towers. Uh, Langstaff uh, was injured, uh, but it sounds like that was just minor, doesn't it? Yeah, their uh, their Twitter account just did an update. I think it was Langstaff and uh, I don't know if it's Rodriguez or somebody else. So they both carried mine and Ox, but they'll be in action very, very soon. So I'm guessing by that, it'll, it'll be imminently. Vague phrasing though, isn't it? Very, very soon. How how soon is that? Oh, is that... come on. We've had that a few yeah. times. You, you know, when, when uh, somebody limps off and they go, don't worry, he's all right for the next game. Six weeks later, he's yeah. just back in training. Well, so I, I'm ruling Langstaff out for the rest of the season. <laughs> he's gone. He's done. Yeah, well, that might that might give us a chance. That might give us a chance. Uh, Liam, uh, you know what are your thoughts on the uh, last week? Obviously, disappointing not to have played any football, but we've got a couple of injuries ourselves, haven't we? So it gives them a chance to to get back up to speed. Yeah, if there's one thing I've sort of learnt over time, it's only worry about the things you can control. And there's no way that the club could have controlled the weather in Wrexham. I think it was colder than was even predicted. I went out, did the key test, broke my key in the ground, uh, had to fork out for a new one. So if that doesn't show how Baltic it was in Wrexham, then I don't know what does. Did you actually? Um, 
No. <laughs> Although that's the, that that is the sort of disaster that would. Uh, Liam, if you lock your key in a bowl, <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're trying? That to tell is us? the sort of. It's the sort of thing that would happen to me, but. Um, yeah, like like Tim, I did laugh a bit at a lot of the tweets about oh, you know, tin pot club can't install under soil heating for you know all those occasions when we need it in the season. Um, I don't. I, I was actually researching because I'm not much of a sad git. I don't even think every Premier League club has it. So if people are <laughs> expecting a fifth tier club too, I think they've entirely lost the plot. So yeah, not worried about it. It was a bit of a shame. I would have liked to have gone to a few games, seen my mates, etc. But you find other things to fill the gap, don't you? Yeah, because I saw that the temperature in Nottingham was something like around minus one, minus two. It was minus eight in Wrexham, wasn't it? So it's uh, there's a big difference between those two. Anyway, uh, no games to occupy us, but we have got a treat for you, um, which is a mini interview, part of an interview we did quite a long time ago with um, Kev Reeves. Andy, why don't you introduce this chap? Yeah, he's been on a few times, Kev. Um, when I was sort of coming through in journalism, um, he was a guy I went to for a lot of uh, lot of stuff uh, to do with Wrexham, and he was a really nice chap, and it always stayed with me how nice a fella he was. So I think we talked to him about the Arsenal game last year. We then talked to him more generally about his career because, um, you know, he had a long stint with Pliny at Wrexham. But this is a bit different. This is him taking us through... I wouldn't say his favourite 11. It's more, it's more my favourite 11, actually. But he's going to give us the uh, the lowdown on the likes of uh, Marriott, Hardy um, and the rest. So, yeah, it's interesting to see sort of how they joined and, and what he thought of them. Number one, I mean, there's only one person I can start with. My favourite ever goalkeeper, Andy Marriott. So, firstly, where, where did you sort of see him? I can remember him playing not quite a high-profile game because he came in quite late for Notts Forest in a, in a League Cup final. Uh, is that where you saw him first or had you sort of seen him in, in reserve games before that? We'd seen him in reserve games before that. Um... We, we we felt because again you know Andy cost us a few a few bob and and sort of um, uh, was a, a level a level above probably what pre, in previous years we've we've been able to get really a love a lovely lad um, and I I would agree with you in that um, probably the best goalkeeper that we had certainly in our our time there um, he had a, a very strong inner confidence um i used to actually take the goalkeepers i used to uh coach the goalkeepers so um we had a quite a close sort of um relationship he was very he had a a set routine which he 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 got at nottingham forest so i basically sort of just um went along with his routines you know very rarely would i sort of um come up with anything new that he didn't already know because he was a very intelligent and intelligent lad as well um yeah. but no he was he was a, a, an exceptional goalkeeper for us um there's a burning question on this podcast ever since uh, kevin russell called andy marriott the meanest man he'd ever met is andy <laughs> marriott mean he did he, he yeah well he did have that reputation the thing is the players were 
the players were definitely on top of it. Um, as, a, as a coaching team, we knew about it, but you sort of have to be, you know, you're, you're, he is one of your players and you, you probably take a different view from the players. But yeah, he, he, he was a bit on the mean side, Andy. Yeah, he was. Perfect. Do you think he should have gone, he should have gone higher? Yes. I know he's been about for a while, didn't he? I know he went to Birmingham after that, didn't he? But he was never really first choice. No, no. Did he go? He went to Sunderland from us, didn't he? Went yeah, to Sunderland. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, him and Neil Wainwright, I think, were virtually, went virtually together. Um, I, yeah, I did think he was um, uh, capable of going under. And the, the Sunderland thing was a good move for him. And I thought that would just be another stepping stone for where for him going back, really, to the top league. Because I thought he was capable of playing at that level. Good kicker of the ball. Um, really, really good shot stopper. Um, crosses. Decent as well, maybe one area where he, he you know, he, he could probably have improved a bit, but um, for our level, an exceptional goalkeeper. Yeah, I, I just sort of look at him now and maybe think he would have been a bit more suited to the, to the modern game. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, there's a lot more punching away rather than coming to, yeah. to catch crosses, and maybe he might have got a bit more protection. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I do sort of think that, you know, his attributes of being good. With, with the ball at his feet and being a good shot stopper would have held him in very good stead yeah. nowadays. No, I agree. I agree. Right. The next person I want to talk about is a youth team product, not one that we've uh, talked about before in, in this podcast. And the reason I'm, I'm, I'm picking these players, Kevin, by the way, in case people go through the team and thought you didn't pick him, it's because these are people we've never had on the pod. So you can give us a bit of insight on them that we probably haven't had. So, okay. yeah, Mark Gregor's another one I want to talk about. I think he was a youth team product, wasn't he? You yeah. mentioned it before, but that's that's the, the scouse link, isn't it? Yeah, certainly, um, you know, the Cliff, Cliff, Cliff Sear and uh, Mike Buxton. I mean, they had a they had a little range of scouts who um, who brought players in as well, you know, and, and recommended them to them. But they had a really good system where they had, um, I remember going, to watch a couple of them, one over in um, Ellesmere Court Stadium, which I don't think is there anymore. And they used to have uh, matches against other teams or trial trials. And um, I think the thing with Maka was he was a very confident boy. Even even when he when he came into the team, um, really really good on the ball, great in the air for his size. And there was a question mark about whether he'd make a fullback or centre half. Those were yeah. the. Uh, Question marks. He could he could play in either really. Um, I remember him having a fantastic game at Stoke City one year when we I think we won one day at Stoke City and he, he I think he scored the winner in that game. But um, I think it was his temperament, Macca, that um, and he had a little cheeky sense of humour as well, real cheeky sense of humour. Most guys do if you're being stereotypical. Yeah. <laughs> no, but he, but a, a, a lovely lad with it. Um, in fact, I, I think he's man, we're we're having a. Um, a golf day, which I'm looking forward to actually for Kieran Durkin um, uh, fairly yeah. soon, and I think Mac is going to that. We were uh, a lot of the players are from that era are coming to the to the to the golf day. It would be great to catch up with a lot of them, and he's one of them. And I've just seen on the WhatsApp that he's contributed a few times, so um, it'd be good to catch up back with him. But it, he was a very mature boy for his for his age, and a really really good footballer. I thought. Did you ever score tappings? No, I, well, I, I don't think so. I mean, he probably was never in that in that area enough, anyway. But uh, 
Um, I think the, if I remember rightly, was the goal at Stoke was it a header? I can't be. Uh, I oh, can't. Yeah, but he was, as I say, he was deceptively good in the air for his for his size. He was always one of the, you know, one of the markers from set pieces as well. Yeah, and um, I, I can just remember the, the, the absolute thunderbolt he scored. I think it was against Millwall, was it, the last Well, I can't remember, Andy, actually. I can't remember. Um, I'm, I'm sure he can. Um, right, next person I want to talk about is the cork stopper, Brian Carey. Now... I know you originally had him on loan, and I would imagine that came in from the from the Flynn Cliff link. But yeah. how close, how how important was he when you bought him as a captain? You know, to, to replace to replace Humes. Massive, massive. I mean, I'm still in touch with Brian. Um, he's just got the uh, chief scouts job at Reading, and um, but he was at Tottenham right. for chief scout Tottenham for four or five years, so I used to see him a lot on, on the um, scouting circuit. Um, there's a funny story with, with Brian really because I, I, I was the one that sort of went to I went to watch a reserve team game at Old Trafford and um, um, and Brian played in the game and he played left-hand side centre-half in this game and he was constantly using his left foot and, but he, he was uh, I really liked him anyway I sort of came back because I think Brian had probably said look Fergie said that we can we can take Brian Carey on loan so I went to I went to watch and I came back and said, look, Brian, take him. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll be fantastic for us. And he came in and he went to work with Joey um, as one of the centre-halves, went to work with Joey. And Joey's first thing he said to him, he says, well, look, Brian, you, you know, you'll be playing on the left-hand side of centre because you're left-footed. And uh, Brian went, no, I'm not left-footed. I'm right-footed. <laughs> <laughs> so Joey, Joey slaughtered me for, for ages, and, you know, because I'd said to him, well, I'm, I'm sure he's left-footed Joe because he played on the left-hand side centre-half, but he actually was right-footed. But probably one of the nicest lads you could ever meet. Um, mm. soft, softly spoken Irish Irishman from Cork and um, just, but uh, uh, and again, an amazing temperament, even though he was softly spoken and a really, really nice lad. Um, he he he, w- he wouldn't take anything, you know. He was a uh, a fantastic character. I mean, we were fortunate enough to bring him in, you know, in in future, you know, yeah. later on. And um, there was never any question that we would ever not not want to take him. I don't think, um, you know, he was ever going to be Man United level, but obviously he had a, he went to Leicester and did you know and did well there. Yeah. Um, but no, just a a, a fantastic centre I mean, we had. We had sort of a, you know, we, when you look at the centre-halves over the years, you know, Pedge and, and um, Tony Humes, and then we, Mark Satori came in, of course, who, who was a striker yeah. originally, and then went centre-half, and then we had Brian Carey and Barry Hunter. You know, we had some some really, really good centre-halves at the club over that period. Yeah, again, Brian was the great servant to the club. I mean, you know, he was assistant manager all that time, had a spell as manager as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he should be in our Hall of Fame, really. Um, yeah. Next person I want to talk about is, and I, I want to talk about the Trinidadian link, sort of w- how it came about. So it's Dennis Lawrence is the next person I want to talk about. Again, is a very cult cult favourite. I can just remember sort of going away during the promotion, uh, the promotion campaign, which is just a bit after you, the Dennis Smith one, and you know yeah. people just the De- Dennis Lawrence and going, what have, what have you got here? He looks a joke. But then Dennis Lawrence being so calm, so assured, so good in the air. It wasn't always like that, though, was it? He was, it was a bit difficult when he first came across. 
Yeah, it was, um, you know, the, the, this all came about. Joey, Joey's got a cousin, Mike Berry, who's an agent and mm. um, in Liverpool, who, who actually um, I'm still in touch with now. And um, he, 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 had, he had a, a foot in to Trinidad players. And he'd, he'd already bought one or two across, um, I think. And, um, and he came to the club and said, look, and we've, got, we've got this winger um, who I'd like to show you some footage of, Carlos Edwards. So he, he came into the office and was showing, these, showing us these um, videos of, of Carlos. And obviously we liked what we, we saw and thought, yeah, fantastic. And, and in, these, in these videos um, was this six foot seven um, centre-back. Um, and I remember saying to Mike, you know, Mike, who's the, who's the big man at the back? He said, oh, he's the, the captain of the team. He was a sergeant in the defence force and he's um, a bit of a leader and all this sort of thing. So we sort of said to Mike, look, you know, could you bring him over as well? And in, um, so he, he ended up bringing and brought Hector Sam across as well. So the three of them came across from, from Trinidad. And um, and Dennis was a bit like you said, a bit gangly, not easy on mm. the eye at all, but um, good in the air, very good in the air, but very good on the floor as well. And that was the that was the thing. Yeah, that was the thing that I think um, took our eye more than anything else, really. You know, he could play and uh, um, I think Dennis got better and better. And then obviously with his. Um, achievements with Trinidad and, and everything else, you know, in the World Cup and or getting to the World Cup and him scoring the winning goal in Bahrain, you know, and um, to get them there. Um, I think he just got more and more confident. And I think him sort of being a sergeant in the army tells you everything about his character. He was a leader. Yeah. He kept the other two in check to a degree, although Carlos was a Carlos was a a, a really good lad. Hector, without being sort of, you know, was the, the most indisciplined of the, of the, of the three. But right. enormous talent, enormous talent. And Dennis was the one really who uh, sort of looked after them two. And any messing around, and he wouldn't have it at all, Dennis. And he would be on top of them. So he, he, did, our, he did our job for us with those three boys, really. No, fair, fair play. I mean, I, 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 I agree. I think mean, one thing I'd say about Lawrence is strength of character. Because... I know, I because I was one of them. I, I I didn't think he would make it when when he brought when no. he came across, and the the fella proved me wrong, and I think he proved every other single Repsom fan wrong, and then went on to have a good career and is coaching now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and I've worked with Dennis with um, cause I've been I was with Roberto uh, Martinez for ten years, and and Mike again sort of recommended um, you know Dennis into Wigan and Everton, and he and Rob took him to Everton as well, and. Um, he's done really well in that respect as well in terms of coaching. I know he's at Coventry now with Mark Robbins and really highly thought of there. Um, and I'm not surprised because, as I said before, he has these leadership qualities um, that I think principally came from him being a sergeant in the army. You know, just one last thing on Dennis. He was very close to getting the Wrexham job. It didn't. It didn't happen uh, right at the end. Do you think he would have made a good Wrexham manager? I do. I do think he would have made a good manager, and I think that's. Um, I think that management thing is probably still there for him. I mean, he's, he's um, as I said before, I've seen some articles that Mark Robbins has, has um, sort of talked about with Dennis and he's very, very complimentary. Um, I think he look, learned a lot from Roberto as well with working him with him for five or six years. And I, w- I really wouldn't be surprised if he goes somewhere and becomes a, a, a very good manager. Good, good. Next one, another youth team um, product. 
Phil Hardy, uh, who was such a, just such a mainstay for us. He was so so steady, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, another one, a really good lad. Um, and again, I think you have to credit all the you know the youth setup and the the way they brought those those boys through. Um, Joey obviously played left back. Had an would would have had an enormous influence on Phil as well. Um, yeah. But uh, I think I don't think Phil. I don't think you'd ever say that he would be an eight and a half out of 10, but he would never be below a six out of 10 either. His, his level of performance was so high, very rarely gave the ball away. A good, a good 1v1 defender, sort of low centre of gravity and, and, um, and, and, and did exceptionally well for us, you know, over the years. Another one who really, I thought, you know, would have gone on and, and played yeah. up. Championship level, certainly. You know, I thought he was good enough to play championship level, Phil. Um, so it's... Maybe he stayed on at Wrexham too long? Maybe. maybe. Yeah. yeah, maybe. I mean, obviously he had that, you know, that classic one where, you know, the Liverpool looked like they'd all, all, all but done, all, all, all the scouts had seen him. And, um, and we had a midweek game and um, Graham Soonis was just coming to rubber stamp the deal. And... Um, and then it was a midweek game. I can't can't remember who it was against. Um, we won the game, and um, Lee Jones um, came on. I think he all, all started. Sorry, and I think he scored. And then the following day, the um, you know they changed. Uh, Graham Soonis um, said, "Look, um, we're, we're still we still want to take one of your players, but it's not who you think it is. It's um, we want to take Lee Jones instead." So I mean, I think that was devastating for Phil. I think. Um, yeah. yeah, I think he because everybody knew about it, and um, and it was basically him coming to rubber stamp the deal, really. Um, so I, I think that was a big knockback for him. I, I don't don't know whether he recovered from that really, but um, listen, it's one of them things, isn't it? It's uh, you know, it was a you know Lee played particularly well on the night, and I think they saw a sort of similar thing, um, like an Ian Rush, you know, low. Yeah. You know that you know this area. Another striker, very similar, or Graham Soonis did anyway, and then um, and took Lee Jones instead. Yeah. Next one I want to talk about is uh, Darren Ferguson. How much of a coup is it to get him? Um, f- fantastic. Again, you know we, we all had, like I said before, but you know Gary Bennett was primarily brought in from Joey Bry brought in so many. Um, I. I sort of went to watch a, a Wolves. Um, he was playing for the second team at Wolves for the reserves at Molyneux in a midweek game. And I, I remember going, going down to watch him. Um, again, probably didn't think that we would, you know, because he'd been at Man United and um, we didn't think that we might have a chance. Anyway, watched him in this game and his attitude in this reserve team game was was fantastic. Um, and the thing I, I just remember, they had two blonde lads and both of them had a, half decent career that played up front for Wolves and they won the game 3-1 but this Blum lad um, should remember his name anyway he scored a goal and it was like um, the clincher really with 10 minutes to go and Fergie sprinted sort of 50 yards bearing in mind he'd been left out of the team at Wolves and it, you know and it, you know sort of not a great period for him at that time jumped on this lad's back and patted him on the head for scoring the winner you know and I thought, blimey, that tells you something. You know, he's, he's playing in the reserves. Um, but 
his attitude was just because at the end I, I always think Andy you know it's, it's that is the key thing with any players you sign it comes down to attitude at the end of it you know they they can produce good performances but um, I think that's the thing that makes you sign a player and um, I thought well blimey that'll do for me the, the way he's been in, in, in the game and everything and we were, we were fortunate enough to sign him and um, he was a massive influence a little bit tetchy um, yeah could be a little bit tetchy, um, but it was only because he was just an out-and-out winner. One of those mm. that just wanted to win games at all costs and wouldn't accept, uh, you know, standards, lower standards. And sometimes maybe just got himself into, you know, maybe said sometimes said things that maybe, um, maybe not warranted a little bit, but it was only because he was just desperate to win the game. Just two two little things on Darren. One, do you think it really cemented the relationship with Alex Ferguson? Because I know he came a lot to watch Darren, and maybe you know that sort of underlined the relationship with the club. And and, and secondly, on, on Darren, do you think the club should have given him a chance as manager? Um, I would say yes to both. I think I think the club. I mean, he's gone on to prove really, you know, at Peterborough, um, mm. how good a manager. He, he is really, um, and they've, they've come back to him a few times and he has a little break and goes back into it again. Um, and he's done exceptionally well, you know, with promotions with, with, with Peterborough. Um, I'm sure he'll come back into the game, um, you know, once he's had a rest again. Um, and yeah, I'm, I do think he, he, he certainly would have been a really good manager for Wrexham. Um, the, the thing with the Fergie, sort of coming to watch the games was a great one, really. I mean, it was nice to see him sat up in the stands watching Darren. I think he was also definitely... I mean, we signed him basically because he was a really good player and he was a great yeah. he was a great fit for following Peter Ward. You know, we like to play the 4-3-3 with, a, with an anchor man at the, um, in the midfield and Wardy did it brilliantly. And then um, Fergie came into that role and he had intelligence. Both of them, no pace. Wardy or Fergie had no pace, but exceptional left foot. And we liked the idea of a left footer, really. It just opened it up a little bit. And, um, you know, both of them were winners. Aggress- both of them were aggressive. They were very similar, those two, actually. Um, yeah. Both of them had no pace. <laughs> but, uh, and great lads, you know, so... And then, you know, obviously Fergie took a massive interest in Wrexham and um, I think it was a nice little, um, you know, a nice little thing for the club to have him come into the games, really. Yeah, I bet there was added pressure on the the, the players when you look up and you see Alex Ferguson there, but... uh... Yeah, well, I'd like to think, you know, listen, you know, I was the way that if if anybody that I thought was important in the crowd, I'd want to play well and um, impress them. And I think think that would probably be the case with our players. Uh, next one, and we've touched on him, but I'd say probably the most naturally gifted um, player I can remember at the club, and that's Brian Hughes. I mean, did you know early doors, hang on, this guy's going to be good when you sort of saw him coming through the age groups? No, not really. Um, he he really just pushed through at the end. I, mean, I remember seeing him sort of 16 and, and sort of thinking, well, he's got some talent and everything else, but he was quite a frail frame. Yeah. Um, he, he had a little bit of pace. I mean, Yozza, as it, you know, as, as he, you know, his nickname became really developed in that last year 
um, 17 and developed physically. All parts of his game developed. I, I think probably more so than any player that we'd had at the, at the football club and just blossomed into this um, technically gifted. He always had a technical ability, but technically gifted, quicker than we thought, fantastic balance, which was the um, one of the key things, I think, with, with Brian. And, um, and again, had a, uh, an ability to get himself into positions to score goals. You know, he, he, had a, he scored some crucial goals for us. Um, and it looked easy for him. I think all the good players, it tends to look easy. And for our, at our level, um, I think the game looked easy with, with Brian, you know. And he, again, another one with a really good temperament. Not not flash or anything like that. Very level-headed boy. Um, and a very a very nice a nice boy, you know. Yeah. Um, right, my favourite player, Carl Connolly. Because what a story this must have been. I mean, who, who saw him on on a Sunday league uh, pitch? Well, we had, um, obviously, Cliff and, and um, Mike had a, had a few scouts, but I'm not even so sure it was one of their scouts. It was a, we had a scout who was a referee in the Liverpool League. And yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he he was playing for a team, I think, were they called Napoli? I think they were called they were Napoli. Napoli, yes. Yeah, they were called Napoli, a Sunday league team. And this... Um, Always remember the conversation. The the he phoned Brian, and Brian um, said, "Look, um, uh, you know, took the call from this this scout because he'd been trying to get hold of Brian, and said, look, Brian, we've got a player for you.' And um, and Brian said, "Well, okay, yeah. What's what's the situation?" He said, "Well, what position is he? He can play in any position." The uh, scout said. <laughs> so Brian's already sort of on the back foot a little bit, thinking, "Well, this sounds a bit too good to be true," you know. So I don't know if you've heard the story, but we had a a, a game at the uh, race course and um, he turned up um, in this sort of uh, dormobile with all his family. And um, he came to the door and I, I took him in to see Bri. And um, he, he had a pair of jeans on, scruffy shirt. He looked a bit unshaven as he, as he did through most of his career. <laughs> um, but um, he was very... Uh, I wouldn't say nervy, but, but you know, not very confident and everything else. Anyway, he sort of, um, he said, where do you play? And he said, well, I, I prefer to play wide left. Um, and he went out the door and I always remember Bryce saying, saying to me, look, Kev, um, tell, I can't remember, I think Joey was probably taking the team then in the, the, the reserves and said, look, just have him on for 15 minutes and, or 20 minutes and just give him 20 minutes and then take, take him off. You know? <laughs> so uh, anyway, we started this uh, reserve team game and well, you, you can imagine, you know, he, he, it was a Carl Connolly we, we, we came to know. Anyway, he was just electric. Um, I remember we won, the, we won the game 3 1. Carl scored, and all his family had gone to the turf. <laughs> all his family had gone to the turf, and they came out of the turf, and we had, we had a hoarding on the far side, and they were watching the game. And Brian I, Brian and I are sat up in the stand, Joey's taking the team. And they're watching, they're watching the game from behind, behind the hoarding. Carl scores. They've obviously had a few in the turf. They start doing cartwheels on the side of the pitch, on the far side. <laughs> and, and, and Brian and I just sort of think... But anyway, the bottom line was, um, even in this game, it was fantastic. Um, came in again. And yeah, one of those, really, uh, where, Andy, where you just cannot believe 
where he's come from, yeah. the level he was at already. He had no coaching. He just had this unbelievable natural ability. Um, and I go along with yeah, one, one of you know one of my one of my favourite players as well. Simply yeah. from where he'd come from, his values, um, and a great lad. The lads loved him. Funny, funny boy. Um, didn't matter big occasions. Never affected him whatsoever. If anything, he, he was he was even better. And a massive player for the way we played. You know, the, we he gave us that outlet as you as you, we said earlier on. Fantastic in the air. And we had this thing where we, you know, we could hit long diagonals and he, and he would tower over the great spring and just win the headers and flick it into the channels for Benno or Steve Watkin. And and, um, and so composed with his finishing as well. You know, he, he, was, he, was a, he was a really, really good player, Carl. Yeah. One, one last thing about Carl is I remember meeting him in, in Weatherspoons in Wembley after the... And I'm what an unassuming fella. Yeah. <laughs> I bought him a pants and couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe I wanted to talk to him. Yeah. And it's, you know, he, I don't think he realizes how much of a legend he is. And, no. and he should because he is. Yeah, he is. He is. And he's playing in this golf uh, um, thing. Where I'm looking forward to seeing him. I've not seen him for a long time. I think him and Benno are, are quite good mates, you know, and they still play golf together, I think. So yeah, Benno was there. Um, right. Let's talk about Gary Bennett because. I was never less pleased about a free transfer than I was about this one. <laughs> when I read it on the back of the leader, a free transfer from Chester, what are you playing at? <laughs> yeah, no, it was, um, it, was, it was a strange one. And, and I know I'll full credit to Joey on this one because Joey was the one that um, sort of stuck, stuck out you know, for, for Benno. Um, I think... I didn't know him so well, really. I think Brian knew of him. Um, but we're, if anything, Andy, probably a little bit more down your way, you know, sort of thinking, hold on, yeah. but Joey, to be fair, just, you know, sort of said, look, he, he, I think he'll come here and he'll, it's not going to make any difference the fact that he was at Chester. He'll, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll want to play and he'll want to score goals and he's got a fantastic attitude. Um, and he was exactly that. Um, and a, a really, really strong character. Um, sort of training, forget it. Um, not, not a good trainer. Uh, but he was an adrenaline person, Benno. You know, you put him on the football pitch, and that was when he when he became alive. You know, became alive. And the other thing I'd say about him: a really, really good finisher. Um, yeah. I didn't. I didn't realise until he came into the football club how good he was to finish. So composed, but I think that was because he was so such a confident, um, a confident lad. And uh, you know, it, it, you know, it never ceased to amaze me really how he um, took the right options in front of the goal, which all the great goal scorers do. You know, they, you know, not only do they select the right finish, but they have the composure as well to do it. And he had both those two things. When you sort of looked at his goal record before he joined us, it wasn't great. Is, it, is, is he just an example of a guy who started well and just built on the confidence and his whole career changed after that? Yeah, I think so. Um, and I, I think probably sometimes it's just a good fit, Andy. You know, I mean, we, you know, he played under Harry McNally for a, for a number of years, you know, who was quite a quite an aggressive manager. I think if you, if you left Benno, because he did have so many good things and he would give you it all on a pitch. 
Um, as I mentioned before, training, you know, and we, we've just had a joke recently because he's playing in this golf um, tournament that, um, and um, he gave me a bit of stick about, you know, the, the he thought, uh, my waistline I put down a handicap of 38 and he thought that might be my waistline now we put on the on the WhatsApp so I replied sort of saying well no that was the number that that was the, the pick of 38 people before you went for five sides because he was always <laughs> that Benno was always last pick in the five side because he wasn't really interested you know he, he, he the, the adrenaline wasn't there it, and I don't think I've met one or two players I played with over the years um, who were similar. There was a big centre half at Norwich who I played with, Tony Powell, who's very, very similar. He used not a very good trainer, um, but put him on the football pitch and and he, you know, he came alive. Benno was the same. Um, certainly in terms of coaching, I don't think I've ever been involved with anybody quite like him who was so so influential when he when he strode out onto that pitch. Um, and became a different player. Right, we're getting there now. We just got two left. Uh, the next person okay. I want to talk about is 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 Steve Watkin, who was a long a partner of of, of Gary for during the sort of golden period. I mean, again, was he a bit when you came in? I mean, was he one that you identified straight away that could do something? And being a striker yourself, could you sort of see his potential? Um, yeah, I think we, you could see his potential. I think what Steve, I, I'm, I think I'm, I was fairly similar as, uh, to Steve as a player, really. You know, yeah. sort of not not a number nine, but a player off. But if you ask, if you ask Benno, you know, he he, he will say he loved playing up front with Watco because he made great runs. You know, was a very intelligent boy, um, knew where to um, to make his runs and to time his runs into the channel or, or whatever. The other thing he had was a, a really good touch. He could hold the ball up and he could bring other people into play. Not quick, good finisher, not in the same level as um, as Benno, but um, a good finisher. And again, you know, as I've said with a lot of these boys, just a, a great character, such a, such a good lad. Um, never any trouble from what, very quiet, very uh, really, really nice lad. And again, you know, you, we talk about combinations, you know, and, you know, Tony Humes, Mel Peggy, um, Steve Watkin and Benno had that combination, which is, I think, is vital in a, in, a, in a successful team. If you can get the two of them liking each other and the way that they contribute to the team, which those two did, um, you know, it's a, a big asset. Last one I want to talk about is an interesting character, but probably a, a player who came from your youth team who probably went the furthest in the game and that's Chris Armstrong now when I think of Chris Armstrong I think of a sort of new generation of player that he was big he was strong he was powerful I mean it was that sort of transition from from you know when we sort of think about players in the 70s and 80s maybe you had good technical people and you were trying to make them athletes well with Chris you had an athlete who could who could play? You know, you're trying to make him a footballer in many ways. Did, yeah. did you sort of where, what did you sort of see with Chris? That very similar, that, and, yeah. yeah, to what you just said. Very similar to what you said. Very raw when he first when he first came in, but had this um, incredible athleticism, um, which was setting those sort of players apart, really, and the clubs wanted, as was proved. You know, with him, with him, him going fairly early on in our in our tenure, really, he didn't. He hadn't really. I mean, he played for us. I don't think he 
even became the player for us, really, um, that he could have been. You know, I mean, he could have been a prolific mm. scorer for us. He was developing all the time. He was learning all the time. He was a very young, young, young lad. Um, but, you know, his pace and his power got better in terms of scoring, got better in terms of his heading ability. Again, I think you've got to give a lot of credit here to Brian Prandor and Idris Price at, at that level, who who I think were involved in maybe him coming to the club because um, yeah. he's a local boy, as you know. Um, yeah, I think they saw him at Clyde Welfare, didn't they? And thought, hang on. Yeah. Yes, I think those two were, were, were very instrumental in Chris coming through. And probably the first first player that we, as you say, was sold, I think it was 125,000, which... Um, really wasn't that much, you know, when you consider what he went on to achieve and, and what have you. Um, but I think, <clears throat> I don't think we ever saw the, we saw in flashes what Chris could become and eventually yeah. did. Um, we weren't fortunate enough to be able to hold on to him to see that as, on a consistent basis. But he, those glimpses were enough for somebody to pay that sort of money. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, Chris has had his, his troubles recently, but I think the one thing that ev- anyone who knows him says about Chris is that he's a nice lad. You know, he's yeah. a, you know, th- th- there's there's no real trouble in the fella, is there? It's, it's, no, it's, no, no. He's quite quiet. You know, when when he, he had a little cheeky grin and um, quite a qu- very quiet lad. But then a lot of the youngsters are when they come into the team. There, there weren't too many really that were. And, you know, I think we had um, sort of players in that team who wouldn't allow any of the youngsters to be that way anyway. Um, you know, again, going back to the Tony Humes, Gary Bennett's, people like that, you know, they they wouldn't accept, you know, young lippy players coming into the team. I don't think we, we didn't, I can't remember hardly anybody being in, in that category anyway. So they were, they they sort of learned things. And again, going back to the temperament thing, I think that, that helped with so many of those boys that went on. Um, and Chris... Chris became a top player, you know, with you know working, you know, at the higher level, really. Right, we've kept you long enough. What we've got, just last thing, we've got five quick fire questions. Whatever comes into your mind, and the first one is, who <coughs> who is the most skillful? The most skillful. Um, it's one of those things where I think you'd have to say probably, you know, one of those, one of those, I mean, Brian Hughes was certainly would have been up there. Brian Hughes would have certainly been up there because he had fantastic feet. Probably, probably Brian Hughes in that respect, the best, the best passers of the ball were, um, uh, Darren Ferguson and Peter Ward, both of them were very similar. But I would say, if you're talking about individual ability, um, I would say probably Brian Hughes. Who, and you might have already said the answer to this, who's the worst dressed? The worst dressed? Mm. Have I said the answer to this? <laughs> you said Carl Conley came, came in looking. <laughs> yeah, no, he did. He did. But that was just, I, I think that was literally Andy because he didn't have any money and he was, you know, and I'm just. Carl, yeah, he, he, he was scruffy. He was scruffy. Um, you know, listen, he was scruffy, but he wasn't... Um, Andy Marrick might get a shout for that as well. Andy Marrick might get a shout. He was, you know, probably... Um, he needs to come on and defend himself. 
I, I, it's a difficult one, that. I can't remember. I'd have to have a real good think about that one, Andy. I'd have to have a real good No problem. Think. We'll let you off that one. Who's the most underrated player? The most underrated? Um, I think Phil would be up there, Phil Hardy, you know, because yeah. he, you know, he was so steady and reliable. Um, and as we mentioned before, never, never, never an eight and a half, never below a six, you know, so I'd probably go for Phil. Cool. Um, who's the biggest moaner? Biggest moaner? Um, Fergie. Yeah. Yeah. You don't um, need to say anymore. Yeah. Everyone says, <laughs> everyone says Fergie or if you if they were a bit more recent, Neil Ashton. They, I mean, this. I should just say, who's the biggest moaner between Fergie and Neil Ashton? But as you don't know Neil Ashton, we're going to go Fergie. And finally from us, because we've kept you sort of, you've got such a long chat. We, we really enjoyed it, but we've, you know, we've, we've taken a lot of your time. Who is the player you'd least like to fight? Least like to fight? Blimey, what a strange question, Andy. I'm a, I'm a staff member, you know, that's, I mean, yeah, it's a, it would be, if a staff member, it's got to be Joey. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> I mean, I see, um, it's, you know, because you, you see things that people send you things now and it's like um, they'll send them some clips of uh, like seventies and eighties. And you see, um, you see some of the tackles and things that are going, going in now, but Mike, Mike Berry, who's, as I mentioned before, the agent, he's Joey's cousin now and again, sends me some clips of Joey. And honestly, yeah. you know, you just, you just cannot believe, you cannot believe the challenges, but um, I, there was, there was never a player. Um, there was never a player really that um, you know I'd ever I would ever think in that way, and I, I, you know it's not I, I couldn't answer that one, mate. Really, no, fair enough. It could be the person you were most scared of. <laughs> you don't have to actually fight them, but no, don't worry about no, it. No, no, I, 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 mem- I remember on on a different note. I remember um, uh, trying to break up a fight once at the trade Lindisfarne, and it was a goalkeeper we had, a young goalkeeper who was who had something about him, and Dave Bradman. <laughs> Dave Brown yeah. and him got into a real. Uh, so I, I think a lot of the lads were sort of because um, I think the goalkeeper was you know sort of um, having a, a real good go at Dave Brown and uh, and and I went in to break it up and as I went to break it up, Dave Brown swung a punch and caught me instead of the goalkeeper. <laughs> so, uh, but having said that, I would I wouldn't say Brown because he was you know. He, he, he was, he was, uh, <laughs> Kevin, thank you so much for your time. I've really, really enjoyed this chat. No, it's a pleasure, Andy. Nice to speak to you, mate. Nice to speak to you. Right, so with it being the the week of Christmas, uh, we thought we'd do something a little bit, well, we're trying to say fun, but I've just been reliably informed that half of this pod, our absolute mood hoovers, um, not pointing any fingers, Andy Reese. So what we're going to do is a bit of an idea, a bit of a, a bit of a thing where we're going to pick a Christmas cracker to do with Rex and FC in 2022 so far. Christmas turkey, and then after that, just what your what your Christmas wish is for Rex and FC. So we'll go around the room. 
that gives me a bit of extra time to think of mine. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Andy. Seeing as it was, oh, I knew you'd pick it, me. It, 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 absolutely <laughs> knew. We have to go with a person who had his microphone back to for, for most of 2022. Well, so there's your, there's, there's, there's your own Christmas my 2023 present. Put my microphone the right way around. There you go. Um, okay. Well, that's a present to everyone. All right. <laughs> I'm I'm going to pick moments from the year. I'm sure you guys will. Uh, my think my favourite moment of the year was Paul Mulling racing through and chipping the keeper against Stockport for a, mere, a, a lot of reasons. One, it sort of nailed down where we're going to go to Wembley. Two, Ryan Reynolds was there, and I think he that's the goal he probably generally most most enjoyed watching us live. Three, it was a just a brilliant bit of skill, and four, I think it really—I know it didn't came to nothing, but it really put the Willies up sco- uh, off uh, Stockport because they—they thought we're coming for you. They, you know, for that sort of brief week or so, it felt like anything was possible. Um, but if we go to the Turkey now, this isn't Aaron Hayden's fault, but when Aaron Hayden went down injured against Weymouth, um, I could sort of see the. The, the, the season. No, it was definitely Weymouth. Was it? I was there. Yeah, I was there. Me and Nate drove oh. all the way down from from London, and yeah, he sort of went down. He was holding the back of his hamstring, and I thought, oh, this could be a bit dodgy for us because we we're already a few light at the back. Um, you know, we'd lost Rob Layton, and that equally could have been the turkey moment. But I thought, oh, hey, you miss Hayden in so many ways. He's just, he sort of leads the defence in the air, but also he's such a goal threat that he gives people, you know, a lot to think about on the other side of the pitch. And I thought that's the, that's the moment where I thought things could go wrong. I hope they didn't, but they did in the end. And I think just the loss of him at the wrong time really sort of derailed our season. Uh, right, the best present. I think we're all going to go for something, a variation on a theme, but all I want is promotion. I don't care how we do it. I don't care if we absolutely ace the league. We won't ace the league, by the way. Um, I don't care if, you know, we go up by the playoffs. I just don't care. We just need to go up this year for this project to keep to keep on trucking, for everything to be going in such uh, a sort of nice trajectory. We need promotion. And I wouldn't like to think what would happen if we didn't get promotion. Andy Gilpin there comparing Aaron Hayden to a Christmas turkey. I said um, straight away, uh, no, straight away, I said, he isn't the turkey, but what happened to his hamstring was a turkey. <laughs> okay, that's that's as, as clear as mud. Brilliant. Right, Reese. Uh Andy's stolen mine, can, but 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 also he hasn't because I thought it was Woking and I was at Woking, so I've definitely imagined something. That was the was that the first game post Hayden, maybe, um, I don't know. But um, my Christmas cracker, tough one. Uh, I'm gonna go with um, the last minute win at Wheelston, Jordan Davis goal that shouldn't have stood. Um, I think it was in February. Uh, or March time, and it really sort of kick-started, or felt like it did, that really amazing run away done in the second half of that uh, of last season. Uh, and it was sort of typical of what we managed to do quite a few times last season, which was win a game at the death where we hadn't really turned up. Um, so that was great, and hopefully we'll be seeing Jordan back on the pitch in the not-too-distant future uh, once he recovers uh, from his injury. Uh in terms of my Christmas turkey, I think 
not been able to go for Hayden, I'm going to go for the last minute um, goal that we conceded against Boreham Wood away last season when it was my birthday weekend. I just turned 30. So I was mourning the loss of my 20s. Stockport, I believe, had tripped up again and we had a great opportunity to, to win that game. And then poor old Tyler French, bless him, gave away a penalty. Uh, and uh, that was a real, real downer on the weekend. Uh, and it sort of, yeah, was just part of that whole last few games of last season, which was a bit of a shit show. Uh, in terms of present for next year, um, obviously it's promotion. If I'm going specific, I just really want us to beat someone big, uh, so that's going to be Notts or Chesterfield at home. If we can, if we can beat one of them two three nil, that would be incredible. Uh, but any kind of win, I think, would uh, would be class. There you go, solid, Mister Randall. Right, well, Andy also nicked mine with that Stockport Trophy game, but I'll go for the just because it was so mental. I'll go for the the Dover game, um, just. Never been through emotions like that in a football match, to be honest, from sort of coasting, then to despair, anger, everything in between, and then just the joy at the end when when Jordan managed to get ahead on it. Um yeah, yeah, when, when people say people saying after the World Cup uh, final saying, You ever seen a match like that? It's like, yes, I have actually. And I've seen a better match, and it was Wrexham versus Dover. Better than any World Cup final. So yeah, that one for me. Christmas turkey. I'm going to go on a sort of a, a theme rather than pick an individual match. And that would be just to say, I think still think there's work to do on the commercial side of things. I'll caveat that by saying there are global supply issues with things like shirts and we've had more demand than we've ever had before. But you're still seeing cases where people have ordered shirts online, still waiting a long time for things. Um, not not gonna have a mega rant about it, but a mini moan. Um, so yeah, if if things like that improved in the new year, that would be good. Uh, ooh, present present for next year. I think oh, promotion is the obvious. Then, will it? <laughs> no, <laughs> um, the the obvious one is uh, is promotion. But I'm gonna say the announcement of funding for a new cop would be a really good present because if you get promotion and that, I think things can really build. I think you can see signs of, you know, where we can take it up a few levels. You know, Rob McElhenney quite often talks about the Premier League. Okay, you know, people might laugh, whatever, but I think the sort of building blocks that we need in place are things like infrastructure, like the new cop, and I think further down the line, the training ground, Couple that with promotion, you could really see the club going places. So yeah, I'm going for the new cop announcement. Nice, nice. Some variation. Right, for my Christmas cracker, I am gonna go for the documentary. It was probably everything and more that we all could have wished for. It's won multiple awards, um, and very well deserved, deservedly so as well. And it's just had unanimous unanimously, you know great feedback you, you, you struggle to find much negativity around it there might be a few people you know I've had a few people say oh they should have spoke to this person this person. well you can't speak to everybody it's just impossible so you have to hone in on certain characters and those characters have told their stories and the story of the club and the town really really well stroke city um 
and I just I just think that's that's been really well received. It's clear the desire's there for season two, and that'll be here before we know it. Hopefully, that'll extend to a season three if we win promotion. I imagine it will hinge on that. I don't know. But yeah, love that. Um, I think I might revisit it over Christmas to uh, just for the hell of it. That, 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 that ties you over, doesn't it? That's what people should have done with these uh, postponed games. Should have rewatched Welcome to Wrexham. So that's my cracker. Christmas turkey. Yeah. It's a toss-up between the performance at Chesterfield, which was just awful. Absolutely awful. Or, you know what? I'm going to give it to the FA Trophy final. Even though I couldn't really give Hated two... that day. Hated yeah, it. couldn't give too much two shits about the trophy final, the trophy now, so, as such. But everything about that day was horrible. For me personally, the bus journey there was a nightmare. Crash on, on, the, on the motorway. Didn't get there until five minutes before kickoff. And then it was just... It was rubbish. I just felt, I just felt, felt for the owners because they're obviously there with their, their nearest and dearest and the great and good, the you know celebrity, celebrity mates and stuff. And you know, we got done by a, a moment of weird witchcraft with that ball span in, and they go and score from it. So that was the the, the turkey. It was just a bit of an anticlimax, to put it mildly. So, but let's still good news about the chocolate oranges. The what? Sorry, I interrupted you for no reason. Carry on. What? what, uh, what what's oh, I this? got it. I got it. I didn't. It was, it was, it was a poor partridge reference. Oh, fucking hell. Fair enough. I need to revisit my partridge, partridisms. You need to go, uh, you need to go to Dundee barefoot. I do. I've done that. No, I haven't. <laughs> um, that's a lie. I've drove somewhere barefoot, but not Dundee. Anyway, um, and in terms of what I would, what my Christmas wish is, I'm going to be slightly, slightly cruel and say, I hope Notts County get deducted 12 points for financial irregularities <laughs> and uh, drop out of the title race, um, giving it us on a plate, really. That would be lovely. It would be great to do it the hard ho, way. Ho, ho, Yeah, ho, ho, ho. Um, but it would be, be even better to do it the easier way. So not going to happen. But, yeah, that, that, would, that would be my uh, grinchy, horrible Scrooge Christmas wish. I got another Christmas wish, which is that we remember to plug our sponsors, the Fat Boar. In I was going to get to that. I was about to get to that. So, oh yeah, I oh, was. Yeah. I've actually got a tweet lined up because Rich from Fat Boar Fame and I was the My Screen Horse said, "Please, can you plug the fact that we're going to have Paul Rutherford, he of Fearless and Devotion Podcast Fame, and one of the, one of the uh, the Scouse Mafia, who's I think probably still up there as one of our." well-received podcast, Paul Rutherford. Mm. He is a special guest before the Scunthorpe game on Wednesday um, where you can get, what can you get? 15 quid per person to listen to Rutherford whilst guzzling a pint, whilst also guzzling, guzzling, eating a steak patty, turkey patty, stuffing patty, dirty fries, brie, cranberry and pigs in blankets, lemon meringue tart washed down with a pint, and you get Rutherford blabbing at you for an hour or so before the game. 15 quid. Get it in you. Said it before and I'll say it again. That is incredibly good value. It is. Is, it, is I mean, Colin Powell going to be there? Colin Powell may be serving the food. Um, <laughs> yeah. Posturing as he does it. Top I mean, bloke, Paul Rutherford. If you haven't listened to that podcast yet, we've thoroughly, highly recommend that you go back to uh, to listen to that because it really is it really is uh, excellent. He's such a good speaker. Um, um, apologies to if we're in housekeeping mode, um, what is the email address, please? Because we never get any bloody emails, and we want to talk about emails. Does Tim check the emails? 
I hope so. It's okay, all. It's all it's, it's, it's we all just know you asked him, so you I've would got, probably I've, know. I've got my email, um, the fearless email. I think because my mum is rubbish on computers, I've now got her email. All wrong. <laughs> so I'll have to double check. Go, it, can you start reading out her emails in the podcast? No. Would that make things interesting? That'd be rubbish. <laughs> Dear Timothy, stop swearing on your pod thing. <laughs> okay, um, the email is F-I-D-Z-I-N-E <laughs> at gmail.com. It's pronounced Fidzine. And our Twitter is, well, Tim's Twitter really, at Fearless ID Zine. So, but for as long as Twitter exists, you can contact us on there as well. Um, can I apologize for my low energy in this podcast? I am fairly, extremely actually hungover. And I'm still, I mean, it's eight o'clock. Uh, mate, oh, you're, you're all older than me, but I feel like when I turned 30, a switch was clicked, and uh, is I find just life deeply tr- problematic now after a you drink. You need to drive barefoot to Dundee. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> wow. Um, right, last last thing of housekeeping. Um, let's just sort of say, leave us a nice review. We don't say that enough, but yeah. you know, link we in don't... bio, subscribe, rate yeah. things. Yeah, you have to agree. You have to search yeah, for us in in the uh, in the various wherever you get your streaming. You have to search for us because it didn't come up in certain pods. You know what we, I? You know what? The tip. American football. I don't know why. Weird. You know what? The tip. I really like that. We make people work to listen to us. We don't want to make it easy. I don't want someone to be able to click on this, but I want someone to have to just rummage through the ethers of Spotify to have to find us. And I want an American viewer to um, not only learn a song from the 60s, but then think maybe that would be related to Wrexham FC, AFC even, and then search, well, maybe there's a podcast from some of the lyrics of this uh, <laughs> exactly. song. Exactly. And, and and then they'll stumble upon us and they'll have to search for us every single time they want to hear it. Uh, and, you know, that, that's the reward. The reward you get is inane chat like this. Yeah. yeah. Give us a five star review if you like it. Subscribe if you can. Engage as and when you wish to via email, via Twitter, whatever. And go to the fat ball. Go to the fat ball. And I'm just going to take this opportunity to thank everybody involved in the pod for listening this year, for engaging, for. Yeah, just just lending your support for buying the fanzine as well is much appreciated. Um, and yeah, just want to say thank you and, and wish you a very good and safe and happy Christmas. What a time to end it. Yes, indeed. We are hoping to bring you a actually a little, possibly a little Christmas treat. I'll leave you with that thought. Uh, we've got a very um, exciting interview that we're hoping to do this week and uh, all going well. We'll get that out sort of in the next week or so. But we can't promise anything because it's been cancelled twice. So The clue is, it'll give you a fat lip. It will. It'll give you a fat lip. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Take care. The Dolly Clowen. The Follow us on Mastodon. Have we got a Mastodon? <laughs>